beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. But he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. If you're maybe new to the scripture or you're new to church, you might be asking, what in the heck is he reading right now? What is this that he is talking about? And what I just read to you was John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. The Bible in the New Testament starts with the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in all the other gospel accounts, as they start talking about Jesus, they talk about Jesus being born, coming as a baby boy, born through the Virgin Mary, and him coming and being born. But John does something different. John starts the gospel talking about Jesus even, even before the creation of the world. He talks about Jesus being one with the Father. He talks about Jesus being one with the Spirit. And he gives these metaphors or these images of what Jesus is and what he is like. And I just want to tell you, if you've got any time this week to dive into John chapter 1, there is so much to unpack in regards to the layers of the meaning and significance of what John is talking about in regards to Jesus. But today we're just going to focus on three things. And really, those three things are the three metaphors. John uses three words, that Jesus is the Word, that Jesus is the light, and that Jesus became flesh. I want to read John chapter 1, 1 through 3 with you together. Maybe you can follow along a little bit better for those of you guys maybe that are ADD a little bit, um, like me. Uh, John chapter 1, 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning was the, what's that next word? Was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was with God in the beginning through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made John uses the word to describe Jesus and for those that listened to John chapter 1 in the very beginning the Jews they would have recognized a couple things right away do you notice the first couple words in John chapter 1 it says in the and that echoes back to what? 
Genesis. John is intentionally uh, taking the beginning part of his gospel and connecting it to Genesis, the beginning creation of the world. And he's saying that the word Jesus was there. He was in the beginning and he was with God and he was the word. And not only would the listeners would have noticed that right, right away, is also they would have noticed that he continues to talk about how Jesus is the word. The word was with God. Why is this important? Because all throughout the Old Testament, the idea of God and his plan and his works of, of what he's accomplishing here on earth is tied to the word and his spoken word. You see, in the rest of Genesis chapter 1, it says that, that God spoke his creation into existence using words. And the Old Testament talks about how God's word goes forth. And when it goes forth, it always accomplishes what it is set out to do. Look at these passages. Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Isaiah 40. A voice cries out, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass. And all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of our God endures forever. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty. Some of your older translation may say, it will not return void, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. John is miraculously echoing back to the beginning of creation, even before creation came, and said that Jesus was the word. And when God sets out his plan of what he's going to accomplish, it always comes to fruition. Jesus is the one that always brings his fruition, his plan to fruition, because he is the word. He is God's word. And his plan, it never returns void and some of you have come this morning and you know that and you believe that and you've experienced that how God continues to be faithful in your life but there are some of you that are maybe in a season where you're struggling with God's word and his plan his plan for your life actually coming to fruition you've walked faithfully with Jesus and you feel like maybe Jesus has abandoned you I want to tell you I've experienced those seasons I've experienced those seasons before I was a pastor and I've experienced them as I was a pastor where I asked the question Jesus where are you where are you right now as I navigate difficulty, as I navigate trauma, as I navigate this life as being a husband and a father and as a pastor? And I want to tell you this morning that if you find yourself in that season, would you be willing to just continue to walk faithfully? Even though it's hard to trust, even though it's hard to take that next step, I want to invite you, would you be willing to continue to walk faithfully because there is going to come a season where God's word will not return void. It will come back and his promises will be fulfilled, whether it's in this life or what he says in the next life to come. Would you be willing to walk faithfully? Because Jesus existed before of all creation and he is speaking his word and sending his word out and his plan, it never returns void. And we know this even through all the messianic promises as we get ready for Christmas. Isaiah, this isn't in your notes, but Isaiah 7 says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. His word going forth about what his plan is and what he's going to accomplish and it never returning void. And we know we're here today because that plan came to fruition 2,000 years ago. Jesus was born. He was born. Born in a manger. Born 
to redeem the sins of the world. John chapter one, verse four, he goes on to say, in him, in Jesus was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now you might be saying, hey, there's a whole lot of Johns this morning. We got the gospel of John going. Now John's talking about John. He's talking about himself. He's not talking about himself. He's talking about John the, John the Baptist who went out into the wilderness and began to proclaim the kingdom of God, believing and knowing that the Messiah was coming and, and proclaiming that Jesus is coming. And so John's not talking about himself. He's talking about John the Baptist. And John is one of Jesus' disciples that's writing about Jesus' life. He came as a witness to testify concerning that life so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Light darkness a picture an image to help us understand who jesus is and what he does light and darkness light a metaphor an image for truth for life for goodness darkness a metaphor image of sin of evil and it says that the world could not comprehend it that the world doesn't understand, didn't at the time, and I would argue still today, doesn't understand who Jesus is. The light has not, or the darkness has not overcome it. Darkness, it doesn't comprehend Jesus. But Jesus comes as light for us. And I love how this even connects to what we were talking about earlier about that Jesus is the word. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp for my feet. That next word, a what? A light unto my path uh, Jesus goes on to say in John that I am the light of the world this image this picture that, that Jesus has come as a light unto our path a light of the world and that he's come to redeem sin come to redeem darkness he's come to redeem you he's come to redeem us now I'm getting to the age now where I'm beginning to realize I've taken light for granted because I always used to be able to see really well. And that's changing. I can't see like I used to. Can I, anybody else relate to that? Yeah, you are my people. The rest of you that are young, you're like, I don't have a problem seeing. I'm good. And, uh, oh, unless you have glasses. Okay. So you understand. You understand. Um, I, I cannot hear, and I cannot see like I used to. And, and <laughs> I tried to tell my wife this last night. I said, my hearing is going away. And she's like, what do you mean? I go, how many times did I ask you tonight watching the show, what did they say? What did they say? She's like, I thought you just weren't paying attention. I go, no, I literally can't understand what they're saying. Like they're talking too fast. My hearing is not as good. And my sight isn't as good as it used to be either. And I was reminded of this again yesterday as I went to the rollerdrome yesterday and went skating. And if you saw my Facebook post, you, you saw that I mentioned that this is not a young man's game, just so you know. <laughs> Skating is not a young man's game. And I was reminded of this. I thought, oh, no problem. I did the figure, or the, the roller skate, and I did the rollerblading, and I, I'm good to go. I've done this before because I grew up going to Skate World in the early 90s. For those of you guys that have been here for a long time, you remember Skate World, right? For those of you guys that are from out of town, you're like, what is Skate World? It was the place that you hung out when you were in the 90s as a kid, okay? And it was awesome. But I forgot, like, it's dark in those places, you know what I'm talking about? When you're skating and it's dark? Well, I was fine with that until I got to a spot 
on the, the roller dome uh, rink where there's like little chips in the wood. Let me just tell you, when you are trying to skate with skates and there is a divot in the wood, this is not a good thing. This is not a good combination. So I almost ate it and broke my neck yesterday is what I'm trying to say because I couldn't see. I couldn't see. And I did one lap, one lap. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. I know my limits. I understand what's going to happen. Uh, what essentially set me over the edge is about three quarters of the way, I started cramping in my hamstring, okay? <laughs> I'm not joking. I was like, I'm literally cramping from roller skating right now. I can't see. I'm going to break my neck. And so my kids and my family made fun of me because I talk a big game, but couldn't follow through. I've taken light for granted. And as I'm getting older, like I, I recognize I need light. Not only do I need light in regards to roller skating, but I need light to even do simple things. I used to not have to turn the bathroom light on when I got up in the middle of the night. I got to do that now. And it's made me realize as I walk with Jesus, do I understand how desperate I am for light? Do I realize how desperate I am to believe that John's words, that Jesus is the light of the world and I'm desperate for that? And I think for some of us, we have to remember that there was a time for some of us that during COVID, we actually began to understand that desperation a little bit more. We didn't know the uncertainty of what was coming tomorrow and the next day, the next day, we didn't know. And so fear and worry and some of those things, the pain that we experienced in life, it thrusted us to being more dependent upon Jesus. How do I know this? Because if you remember, we didn't meet. And as a pastor, I'm trying to help people stay focused on Jesus. And so the daily video, Facebook devotionals, do you guys remember those? Pastors doing those, 6 a.m., 7 a.m. And 30 people jumping on Facebook early in the morning to hear from God's word, to be abiding in him. Why? Because we were desperate. We needed the light. We wanted the light. We wanted truth. We wanted clarity. We, we, we were trying to navigate the uncertainty. And here's my question. Do you still pursue the light the same today as you did two and a half years ago in the midst of uncertainty? Have you taken the light for granted? Are you still pursuing Jesus as we get ready for Christmas with the same passion now as you were then. Jesus is the light of the world and he's come to bring us into the light. Not only that, but verse 10, it says he was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This is good news. Those that remembered him or recognized him, they became children. Children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and full of, what's that last word? Truth. John's making this amazing statement that Jesus has come, the word, the light, and he's become flesh, and he's come to adopt us as sons and daughters. He's come to redeem us. He's come to save us from the brokenness from which we operate from so often. He's come to redeem that. He's come to make you a child. 
He's come to make you his. He has come. And this is what's amazing about Jesus coming. And amazing about the story of John is John says that Jesus was here before the creation of the world. Jesus was here. And he spoke the world into existence. And his plan was set forth to redeem the world. Jesus. This is who Jesus is. I don't know about you. I have no way to prove this theologically in the sense of like it's not in the Bible. But there had to have been conversation between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They weren't surprised when they created the world and his sons and his daughters rebelled. Right? They weren't surprised. They knew that this was going to happen. Jesus knew all that was going to happen before the creation of the world. And he said, I'm going to set forth motion. My plan to create, to watch my children wander, walk away. And Jesus knew there were going to have to be someone who would redeem, bring them back. And Jesus said, that's going to be me. The word of God, the light of the world, the word became flesh, came and came, and all he came, but came to choose to redeem us. There was no plan B. This was the original plan. I want you to think about that. Before the world began, Jesus knew of the plan of what needed to be executed to redeem the world, to bring light, to bring the word, to become flesh. And Jesus rose his hand and said, I will do that. I will be the one who redeems the world. I will be the one that dies for all of mankind. Not only dies, but dies a horrendous death. Being tried, found guilty, beaten, whipped, put on a cross to redeem the world. And I'm going to do that for you. I'm going to do that for all my children. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear that, that conversation that Jesus before he spoke creation to existence knew that he was going to do this the God of the universe I don't know about you but that, that moves me inside <laughs> that Jesus chose to die for me even before he created the universe that he thought of you and me that moves me because what it paints a picture is of a God who's intentional and a God who has a plan and will see his plan to fruition. Are you with me this morning, church? That moves me. The God, that I'm a part of his plan and that he loves me and he died for me and he knew that I was gonna, he counted the cost and he chose to do that. Anybody ever been a part of a plan where you've carefully constructed a plan and tried to execute it? Like a surprise birthday party, Anybody? Surprise birthday party? How'd you do? Did you do okay? Did they find out about it? No? So you did a pretty good job, right? How about for some of you guys, a surprise engagement? Anybody done the surprise engagement? I know for me, the surprise engagement, like it was a big deal for me. I remember it was 17 years ago. Uh, this Christmas will be 17 years that I constructed the perfect plan to surprise my wife by proposing to her. Now, I did the right thing. I called her father first. Amen, dads? You better call the dad first. Better get permission. The next thing it is, I said, okay, family, I need your help in constructing this plan. 
So I'm going to tell her that I'm showing up late Christmas day because I'm going to spend Christmas morning with my family. And so that was what Natalie thought. I told her family, I said, I'm going to surprise her Christmas morning. I'm going to knock on the door. Make sure you don't answer the door. Make sure she answers the door. And uh, I'm going to surprise her. So that night, I spent time with my family. My whole family knew about it. They were excited. I went to bed about 11 o'clock. My mom was so nervous for me, anxious, because she thought I was going to get lost over there. This was before GPS. So you know what she bought me? A GPS. She bought me a GPS. None of this pulling it up on your phone. We didn't have that 17 years ago. We didn't even have Google Maps. We had MapQuest. Do you guys remember MapQuest? Piece of paper, printing it out. I I was navigating. I was doing fine. She she had to give me the GPS, so I got the GPS. This plan was going great. I got up at 2 a.m., three hours sleep, to surprise her, seven half hour drive. I thought it was going great until I got to LeGrand and realized I had not seen a car on the freeway for like three hours. So I started to think, you know what? If I get in a wreck or something happens in my car, there's nobody out here. This is maybe not a good idea. When the freezing fog hit over the blues, I knew I was like, man, this is scary. Finally, I get to Puyallup over outside of Tacoma. I had the nice iron shirt in the back of the truck, undid the nasty shirt, put on the nice iron shirt, walked up to the front door, knocked on the door, 9.30 a.m., right on time, and I can hear footsteps. My wife opens the door, and she's shocked to see me, and then I get down on one knee, and she goes, shut up, and slams the door in my face. Everything went perfectly until that moment. I don't know how to respond to that. She collected herself. She opened the door, tears flowing down. And I asked her, will you marry me? And she said, yes. Now, why did I do all that? I want to convince her to marry me. But even deeper than that, why did I go to all the planning, all the execution, all the the different things? Why? Why? So I want to show her that I love her. I want to show her that I love her. I want to surprise her. I want to show her how much I valued her, what I was willing to do. To only drive after uh, three hours of sleep, get up, drive across, have her family be a part of it. Why? Because I love her. Why did Jesus do what he did? Because he loves you. And he had a plan. He always has a plan. And his word never returns void. It always comes back true and how he wants it to happen. What does it look like for you to begin to experience and trust the plan that God has for you this Christmas? Here's what I do know, is that God has this amazing thing where he creates memories, he creates rhythms, and Christmas is a a time for us to have rhythms, to have memories of Advent where we begin to look back and see the awe of God. That we look back and go, man, God's been at work in my life, that he's had a plan, that he came to save me and redeem me. That we look back and we see the plan that God has been doing from the very beginning. And that as we look and see what God has done in the past, we also live in anticipation to the future of what he's going to do now, what he's going to do into the future, what, how he's going to actually work through us and in us. As we look back to the faithfulness of God, we're reminded We're reminded of what he's going to do now and into the future. So for you, what does it look like this Christmas to begin to live in that reality? To go, man, let's look back. What has God done 
as he's moved forward his plan. What has he done? And what does it look like to move into the future, what he's doing? This is what I do know, is you can't miss Jesus this Christmas. You can't miss Jesus this Christmas. You can't miss Jesus this Christmas, and you can't miss Jesus moving forward. Because he's come and he's redeemed you. He's come flesh on earth. He's come to bring about his plan, his purposes in you and through you. You can't miss Jesus this Christmas. Don't miss Jesus like they did in the first century. Did you catch those passages? He was in the world, though the world was made through him. The world was made through him. The world did not, what's it say? The world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Not only is that in regards to Jesus in his whole life, but even when Jesus was born, house to house to house, Mary and Joseph went, and they said what? There is no room. They didn't receive him. They missed him. And my fear, my worry is that we as Christians would make the same mistake that they made 2,000 years ago every single Christmas. Christmas is an opportunity for us to not miss Jesus. And we can miss Jesus. I can miss Jesus. You can miss Jesus. We can miss Jesus if we are not intentional like Jesus was intentional in coming and bringing about salvation to the rest of the world. We can miss him. And my heart's desire for me is that I would not miss Jesus. That my family would not miss Jesus. That our church would not miss Jesus in the midst of all the other things that are going on. I love what DJ said as he led us into worship. There are so many distractions. (laughs) So many distractions. What does it look like for us to not miss Jesus? Here's what I'm going to tell you. I have made it um, a decision for me personally how I'm not going to miss Jesus. Jesus. And I, I want to invite you into the same journey. Um, personally, this is how I'm not going to miss Jesus this Christmas. Is As you came in, you guys most likely received a bulletin, grabbed a bulletin. If you've got a bulletin, I'd love for you to grab that. There's an insert in there. Go ahead and grab it right now. Maybe only a couple of you grabbed a bulletin, okay? If you didn't grab a bulletin, make sure you grab one before you leave and grab your phone out. It's okay to get phones out in church. We're kind of that, that kind of church, okay? Get your phone out, and, and for those of you that are tech savvy, get your camera out. And you see that QR code inside the insert? It says reading plans. I want you to scan that code with your phone. And for those of you guys that don't know how to do that, just come talk to me afterwards. I can show you how to do that, okay? You're more like MapQuest people. That's okay, all right? What's going to pop up is our website that has reading plans, one reading plan in specific for, for Christmas. This is the reading plan I'm doing every day to the best of my ability to be with Jesus. Desperate for him. Not wanting to miss him this Christmas. It has to start with us as individuals. The next piece for me is I don't want you to miss Christmas as a family. I don't want to miss Christmas as a family. This is an opportunity for me to love and lead my family to Jesus this Christmas. And so there's a couple things that Life for Kids does if you've got little ones. First, we're going to have our Life for Kids December 11th. 
singing up here and they do an amazing job every single year with all sorts of different things but especially for this and I know they do an amazing job because we have kids come up here whole grip of kids and they sing nothing catches on fire which is good right and they sing and we're creating memories with them they do a great job but here's the other thing because I've already seen it there is an advent calendar available to you today at check-in right over here and check out will you take it will you walk beside your kids and pointing them to Jesus so they don't miss Jesus. What do they remember about Christmas? Is it only presents? Or do they understand the foundation of why we even do presents? That it's, it's Jesus that has come. So you might say, well, I'm not married. I don't have kids. That doesn't matter. Lead your family to Jesus this Christmas. You can do it. Well, I'm only 18 years old. doesn't matter. God can use you to appoint your family to Jesus. Do you want to know why? Because God gave me that assignment at 18 years old. And I made mistakes and bumps along the road, no doubt. My freshman year of Bible college, you know I bought my whole family for Christmas? A Bible. You know how well that was received? Not very well at all. Seriously, a Bible? But God used it. Because it was about five years later that my brother came back to Jesus and I got to baptize him. And you know what Bible he brought to church? That Bible I bought him. God can use you. All right, my kids are out of the house. If you're a grandma or grandpa, you have such an important role. Your kids need you in helping raise their kids. Grandma and grandpa is an amazing role, amazing opportunity. Don't let it slip away. Point them to Jesus. Now, if you say, I'm an empty nester, I don't have any kids that have, grand, that have kids. I don't have any grandkids. We've got kids that need spiritual grandparents. We need kids that, that need spiritual grandparents. My kids need spiritual grandparents. <coughs> what does it look like to make sure we don't miss Jesus this Christmas? Is would you be willing to live on mission this Christmas? Would you be willing to live on mission this Christmas, believing that you are a part of God's plan to help redeem the world? What does it look like for you to be intentional in inviting people to Christmas Eve, to invite people into your home group, to live on mission like our home groups did, and just going and being a blessing in the community and raking up leaves? And by the way, whatever home group that, that did the trailer full of other stuff, that, did you see that trailer full of stuff? I was the only one, I guess I saw that one picture. Y'all didn't rake leaves. You like redid the whole landscaping, it looked like, okay? That's living on mission. Light into the world. The word becoming flesh. You're showing what Jesus is like. What would it look like to live on mission this Christmas? Don't miss him. Don't miss Jesus. As we wrap up, just want to conclude some of these concluding thoughts that Jesus is the word and God's word and his plan it never returns void and his plan for your life is never going to return void would you be willing to partner with him and what he's doing here on earth that he is the light of the world he's come to bring light in the midst of darkness he's come to love you and redeem you and some of you have come this morning and you you have wandered from that light you have wandered from his church community and it's time for you to come back to the light. Some of you, you've never, you've never decided that Jesus is going to be redemption for you, that he's going to be light for you. 
And if that's where you're at this morning, I want to tell you, today's good news. You have an opportunity to walk in light with Jesus. He's come to do that for you by dying for you. Number three, Jesus' coming wasn't plan B. His plan has always been plan A because he loves you. His love for you has always been plan A. His, his plan has always been plan A. There has never been a, a backup plan. You are plan A. Objective number one. Never forget it. And lastly, don't miss Jesus this Christmas. Don't miss Jesus this Christmas. As we get ready for communion this morning, we take communion every week here at Real Life Ministries because we need the reminder. I need the reminder of Jesus' love for me and what he's done for me by his death, burial, and resurrection. And if you came and you aren't prepared to take communion because you didn't grab the elements, but you want to take communion now, just raise your hand and these amazing ladies will serve communion for you. And just don't be afraid to keep your hand up for a while. Right here, Melissa. Thank you. And I just want you, as we get ready to have this meal together as a family, which we will do here at the end of this prayer time, I just want you to pray about this. What does it mean to experience Jesus, to make sure we don't miss Jesus as a church, as a community, this Christmas? Maybe for some of you, you need to confess Jesus as Lord for the first time. Maybe that's your next step personally and to spend time with him this Christmas. For some of you, it's family. Some of you have broken family and this is a hard time because it's a reminder again that your family is broken and separated. Some of you, some of you need to forgive your family. Some of you need to quit harboring bitterness and anger towards your family. And you gotta forgive. Some of you, you have wronged your family and it is time for you to begin to build back trust by asking for forgiveness. What does it look like to begin to bring your family back together so that your family would experience joy just like we're hearing joy from these kids over here in this other room? Man, I love that. What does it look like for you to live on mission and invite people to experience Jesus this Christmas? Spend some time with Jesus as we get ready to have a meal together this morning.